A Nightmare on Franklin Street is Tampa Theater's two-week-long celebration of Halloween. We'll learn all about the programming and design of this year's event. That's coming up on today's show. From HAN, I'm Philip, and this is day 51 of our 61-day Hauntathon, where we're counting down to Halloween by visiting a different haunted house every day here on the show. Today is Friday, October 21st, and there are 10 days until Halloween. Remember that the best way you can support us this Halloween season is by sharing our Hauntathon with someone you think will enjoy it. And to follow along to our Hauntathon, sign up for our free weekly industry newsletter at the link in our show notes. Now in its 10th year, A Nightmare on Franklin Street takes over Tampa Theater for the final two weeks in October. Despite being a historic theater, the event encompasses all genres of entertainment into the Halloween programming, which is not easy to do. Today, we'll speak with Jill about the event and what goes into the design process. Here's Jill and I recording this interview live on the stage at Tampa Theater. My name is Jill Witecki, and I'm the Director of Marketing at Tampa Theater. A Nightmare on Franklin Street is Tampa Theater's celebration of Halloween. We are the most majestic and the most haunted movie palace in Tampa. So we pack the last two weeks of October with as many scary movies, guest stars, ghost tours, and special events as we possibly can. Tampa Theater opened here on Franklin Street in the heart of downtown Tampa on October 15th, 1926. So we are coming up on our 96th birthday of projecting films in the heart of downtown Tampa. Now, back in 1926, we actually opened as a silent movie house. So this stage that we're sitting on used to be the orchestra pit. We had a 17-piece orchestra that would accompany the films. We were also one of the stops on the vaudeville circuit. So in between those screenings, we had a little tiny strip of stage that those vaudeville performers would come out in between the film screenings. But all of these years later, we are still showing movies as our primary programming. We still have our original Mighty Wurlitzer organ, and we still do silent films a couple of times a year. In fact, we do have one in the lineup this year for Halloween, and, and we've expanded. So not only film, but now we've expanded into live programming, tours, educational programming, and really finding ways to, to get the community in to see this incredible landmark building. This year's A Nightmare on Franklin Street series is our 10th annual. Now, that doesn't mean that we haven't been doing Halloween at Tampa Theater for a lot longer than that. It just means that I've been here for 10 years. I'm celebrating my decade at the same time the event is. And, you know, 10 years ago when I got here, we would do some Halloween movies. We did some ghost tours. We had done some haunted house type things in the past and all of them were really well received, but we had never really consolidated all of those into a purposeful event. And so with my background working with events like Hello Scream and some of the other Halloween events around town, you know, we know the power of Halloween. We know the numbers behind it. We know the kind of draw that that can be. And as much good Halloween as there is in the Bay Area and in Central Florida, there's always room for more and people are always hungry for more. So it, it seemed a natural fit to take what we had already been doing so well, pack it all into a series and then flesh it out in some new ways. So here we are 10 years later, we're starting the event on October 14th, which is a Friday the 14th, very creepy. We're trying, yeah, okay. you know, the calendar doesn't always play along. But we're really looking to celebrate Halloween in as many different 
possible ways as you can. And as you know, there are people who celebrate Halloween from the kind of spooky campy direction or from the family-friendly creepy aspect or the bloody gory slasher stuff. And, and we've got a little bit of all of that. Can you give us a little sampling of the agenda? We have some elements of the Nightmare series that, that carry over from year to year. For example, we always show Halloween on Halloween. We always work in a couple of screenings of the Rocky Horror Picture Show with a live cast. We always pack as many ghost tours as we possibly can into the agenda to take people all over this amazing majestic building and talk about some of the spirits that still reside here. And then, from year to year, we mix it up a little bit. Our, our list of movies is ever changing. Our list of live shows is always changing. But we always like to try to hit Halloween from every angle we possibly can. Talk to me about you know, why that's important that you can merge the different levels of interaction together. Sure. The Nightmare series is kind of the best parts of everything Tampa Theater does well. So the rest of the year, we are a movie palace. Most of our core programming is film, but we are also a beautifully intimate live venue. And you can see from this little tiny stage that we're sitting on, we don't have a lot of room, but we do a lot of stand-up comedy and author talks and, and small concerts and, and shows that really fit well on this stage. We also do a ton of tours. We lead a hundred tours a year through our building. So then the rest of the year, we also have some very popular classic series. We do our summer classics every Sunday afternoon through the summer. In fact, we just wrapped that up here a couple of weeks ago. Our holiday classics, our family favorites. So when we get to Nightmare, we take that desire that the community has to see some of those old favorite movies back up on the big screen. We take that ability of this building to be not only an incredible film palace, but also a really stunning live venue. We take that educational component of our tours, we throw it all in the cauldron together, and the Nightmare series is what comes out of it. So of course we want to bring those, those favorite classic horror movies, you know, your, your Psychos and your Shinings and your Hocus Pocuses, and put those back on the big screen for people to experience. Um, but we also want to mix in some of that live show element, being in the same room with that performer. We like bringing in the storytelling aspect. That is part of who we are as human beings at our core is gathering around to tell stories. And what better time of year than to turn the lights down and really get that kind of creepy campfire vibe going, telling ghost stories around the ghost light. Um, one of my favorite tours to give, of course, is our ghost tour because, you know, it, we have a reputation as being one of the most haunted buildings in Tampa. And we certainly like to claim it, but it's something that has been claimed for us over the years, too. And we have decades of stories of people having experiences in this building. We've done the research. We know who some of the entities are. They're former employees of the building. So we're able to kind of bring in that aspect of it, of newspaper articles about about their time here and their death and, and what happened to them in life that might cause them to still be here uh, so many decades later. So uh, we really do try to, to examine the, the holiday and the month of October and the celebration of Halloween from every possible aspect that, that somebody might be interested in what Halloween has to offer. But the one I'm really excited about is back several months ago, we actually enjoyed a visit from the Ghost Brothers. 
They investigated the building. By all accounts, they had a great time here, and that episode is going to be dropping a little later in the month of October. So we are working on an evening with the Ghost Brothers that we are not only going to be able to have a watch party for that episode and all of us learn together what it is they found, but actually have the Ghost Brothers back to talk about the episode and talk about their experience here at Tampa Theater. So it strikes me as uh, basically that you're trying very hard to make sure that the audience is engaged actively. Talk to me about why you think that's important because it's a little bit different than the legacy. You know, the legacy is entertaining people, but now you're getting the community involved. That's a little bit different. Tell me about that. <laughs> well, I'm actually gonna answer that in two different ways. So one, our architect was a gentleman by the name of John Eberson. He was the one who built this building and he wrote a lot about his design choices and what he wanted his audiences to experience when they walked into the building. And this style of theater with the night sky overhead and the rooftops, he called an atmospheric. And his, con his concept behind the atmospherics was set design, basically. A lot of the movies coming out at the time were kind of these grand adventures that were set in exotic locations. And he wrote that he wanted his experience, the experience of his guests, to be that they were walking into that as soon as they walked through the door. That sounds immersive. Yes, he <laughs> wanted that that exotic experience to come off the screen and envelop his audience. It was absolutely an immersive experience. In fact, we talked about we talk about all the time that John Eberson was doing themed attractions long before a certain other gentleman in Central Florida was doing themed attractions. What's old is new again. You know, this idea of an immersive experience that kind of envelops you from the moment you buy your ticket is is our tradition, is our legacy here at Tampa Theater. So, so that part of it is nothing new for us. We want people to really feel like they're a part of the event, not just coming. You can go sit and watch a movie at any one of the cineplexes. You can sit on your couch and watch a movie. When you come to Tampa Theater, you're going to have an authentic experience. And even if all it is, is a movie on the screen, which leads to my second answer, cinema in general, but certainly horror movies in particular are meant to be community experiences. You are not supposed to sit by yourself on your couch and watch a scary movie. I mean, you can, and you can watch it through your fingers or behind a pillow and that's something, but that ability to sit in a room with a thousand of your closest friends and have an experience together that when something happens on the screen and everybody jumps and everybody laughs at themselves and everybody screams and everybody, you know, kind of gasps at the reveal at the end of the movie. That's what those movies are supposed to be. And so when I say that even if all the show is is a movie on the screen, you're still having that community experience with 1,200 people. And then as we go through the rest of the, sh the, the lineup, then yes, of course, we want the opportunity to get people out of their seats, get them walking around the building. You know, th this building is, is such an icon in the community and, and literally a landmark, a historic landmark, that we don't want you just walking in the front door and sitting in your seat. We want you up and walking around and really experiencing everything that John Eberson put in this place 96 years ago. Tell me a little bit more about why that group experience is so critical 
we've always got our heads buried in our phone. Certainly COVID did not do anything for that, that people are now working from home. They're not having an office experience with a group of coworkers as much anymore. We were the first to close. We were one of the last to open as a, as a industry. We closed on March 12th of 2020. We reopened March 11th of 2021. And so even while we were closed, we were trying to find ways to kind of gather that community however we could. In 2020, we actually still did a Nightmare on Franklin Street series. It was just virtual. And so we, we showed some streaming movies. We had a virtual cocktail tasting event, Spirits Fest. We would curate the cocktails, send them home to you in a box, and then do streaming entertainment that you could drink and watch along with us. But that first night that the theater reopened, you know, everybody was in a mask. We had bands on most of the seats to distance everybody. And yet there was just this feeling of, you could feel it in the building. You could just feel the building like settling back into what it knew it was supposed to be doing. And the people coming in, settling back into like their first little taste of normal. Our CEO likes to say, you know, we, we made it through the Great Depression. We made it through World War II. We made it through now a pandemic, and he likes to add, and all seven Police Academy movies, and we're still here. But now that it's coming back, what we see when people come in is that they've missed that. And even if they didn't realize they were missing it, as soon as they have that experience of a shared communal, whether it's a concert or a movie or an evening of storytelling or, or a lecture or whatever it is, of, of just being with like-minded people and sharing an experience and then being able to go across the street and have a beer and talk about it afterwards, like that's, that's who we are at our core. As we know, places that have long histories, they bring baggage with them and turning that into a Halloween event can get difficult because you want to honor the history, but you also want people to have fun. And there is a line there. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about how you all have walked that line successfully with your event. That's a great question. Our programming is so diverse and all over the map anyway, that there was never even really the question of, is our core film audience gonna raise an eyebrow that we're doing a big Halloween event? The history of the building, I mean, the, the whole reason that these movie palaces were built in the teens and 20s was A, for all the movie studios to compete with one another because it was movie studio money that was building the movie palaces, but they were meant to be these big, grand, over-the-top experiences. And so to have another big, grand, over-the-top experience that just happens to be Halloween instead of Christmas, which we also do instead of summer, which we also do instead of, you know, a family series, which we also do, you know, there, there really never was a question of, of whether or not Halloween was appropriate for this building. Um, we have talked at length about the ghost program. They were doing ghost tours long before I got here, but you know, when I got here and when my CEO and I sat down and started really talking about what a robust ghost program could look like and and more importantly the money that it could make you know we're a nonprofit organization but that doesn't mean we're not trying to make money and before i got here they had done like some haunted house type things and they were very popular but as you know better than anybody haunted houses are expensive yeah. to build yeah. and and you have to staff them and you have to costume them and you really have to put the money in if you want something that looks better than your local haunted trail walkthrough that the JCs put on. 
So being able to, to use what's already here, which is this beautiful building, this hundred year history, a reputation for being haunted, a catalog of experiences that people have already had in the building, the overhead on a good ghost tour is next to nothing. All you need is, is the time put into the research and then you know a couple of tour guides who are excellent storytellers and you've got a successful ghost tour. Now, we've been very fortunate that we have some great community partners. We've got a paranormal investigative group that we work with. They have helped us kind of do some of the investigating that has pulled some of those stories together. But to, to go back to your question, I you know we did have a couple of board members as this all started heating up ask us, like, do you think that leaning so hard into the haunted thing is is going to put anybody off you know should we worry about our donors should we worry about and it's been my experience in other places and it really has borne out here that people who are into the haunted thing are into it they are going to make a concentrated effort to get here they are going to be the first to buy those ghost tickets they're going to you know call their friends and have them all come over for the investigation the people who aren't into it or don't believe it it's it's not a thing. They, it's not weighing at all on their decision whether or not to patronize or support us otherwise. Was there any other elements that you wanted to mention or draw attention to from the schedule? <laughs> I've had the schedule sitting here on my lap, <laughs> you know, because it always fascinates me how how a an event is built. Like, where do you start? When you've got a hundred years of scary movies and literally endless special guests and presentations and live shows you could put together, like, how does that all fall together? And so, so for me, we were talking earlier off camera about being analog in a digital world. This, this is my analog in a digital world. So I start with a little poster with all the days and just, and you see everything's written in pencil because it can all change until it gets announced and, you know, dropping in like like the Josh Gates show, like our Rocky Horror shows. We know we want to do two shows. We know we want it to be on a weekend. Then we start talking to those special guests and trying to figure out what, what nights they're available to do. How many ghost tours do I want to do in a week? Sometimes how many do I want to do in a day? And <laughs> penciling those in and just kind of erasing and shuffling until we've got the, the however many days this year, 18 days set. And then we start actually booking all the films and getting all the confirmations. But one of the things that I'm really excited about this year, two things. One, I mentioned earlier that we are one of the only theaters in the country that still has our original organ. We still have our Mighty Wurlitzer Theater organ, which means that we can still present silent movies in their original format in a 1920s theater on a 1920s organ, just like you would have seen it. 95 years ago. So we have a, an organist that we work with. His name is Stephen Ball. And, and he has bounced around the country a little bit. He lived here in Tampa for a little while. We just lost him to Phoenix, which it was a great opportunity. I can't fault him that. But he wants to come back as often as he possibly can. So he's coming back in October. We're doing a screening of Hitchcock's The Lodger. And he's going to be playing that. So, you know, again, talk about an experience that is that is so authentic and so different than sitting on your couch and watching a movie, watching a horror film that you know in the back of your head that somebody is sitting up here playing every note, every sound effect that you are experiencing is, it, it's like time travel. There's just, there's nothing else like it. So that's one I'm excited about. The other one is our Spirits Fest. So 
In 2020, during the pandemic, we did a virtual Spirits Fest. And, you know, kind of the background there, again, as a nonprofit, we do a couple of big signature fundraisers every year, one of which is our wine fest that always happens in the spring, one of which is our beer fest that happens in the summer. You may see a little bit of a theme developing here. And so the, the third musketeer that was missing was Spirits Fest. And when better to do an event called Spirits Fest than in October? So we tried it as a virtual thing in 2020. It worked well, we had a lot of fun with it. So coming into 2021, we decided to see if we could bring that into the, into the real world. We partnered with a great group out of Orlando called Phantasmagoria not only on their main stage show, we actually do the Phantasmagoria main stage show as part of the lineup as well, but then working with them to kind of develop, again, an immersive walkthrough experience that you were getting stories and cocktails at several different stops throughout the theater. So last year's Spirits Fest, the subhead on it was backstage. And, and instead of entering through the front door, you actually came in through our green room. And the whole storyline as you were coming through the theater was that you were the performers and you were being rushed toward the stage all night until you finally got here. And along the way, you were hearing ghost stories about the different ghosts of Tampa Theater and having these amazing cocktails from Uncle Nearest Premium Whiskey. Well, this year, Obviously we wanna do it again. It was a great success last year, but we wanna mix it up because we're hoping some of those people from last year are gonna come back this year. We want them to have a different experience. So I'm assuming you and, and most of your viewers and listeners are familiar with Sleep No More in, in New York. Of course. We can't do it on that scale. <laughs> we just can't, but we can do it on Tampa theater scale. And so with Phantasmagoria's help, we're, we're constructing an interactive murder mystery that when you come into the theater that night, somebody's gonna die. Not really, but you know, as the crisis communications person, I'm really hoping nobody actually dies, but somebody's gonna die. And you are gonna spend the rest of the evening winding your way through the theater, poking around, trying to find those clues, trying to figure out who the murderer is and trying to solve that mystery before showtime. And of course, drink all along the way. There's gonna be cocktails all along the way as well. I also like too how, again, it, it's another way of leaning into the asset. Like you're not building a maze for mm -hmm. them to go through or, or something. You are saying, here's a story that we're putting, an interactive story that we're putting on top of the, the backdrop. So as in, they're solving a murder mystery in a historic theater. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like they're going outer space to try and figure out what alien did this thing. <laughs> Well, and that, we couldn't do that. We, you know, we are a, a wonderfully successful nonprofit, but we do things on a nonprofit scale. And that means you use what you have and you get creative. And, you know, so there are, there are other organizations with a lot more money that if they want to build the alien haunted house, they certainly can. For us, building a story that, you ask a question earlier about kind of incorporating the history and the tradition. We were a silent movie house. We were a stop on the vaudeville circuit. And so to and very clearly create a, a fictional history. And that's another thing we talk about a lot with our offerings is yeah. that ghost tours are different than haunted houses. And we're not trying to mix the two. Our ghost tours are as factual and real as we can possibly make them. Spirits Fest is a fictional story written about some of the history of the building with the silent films and with the vaudeville performers. And again, working with a group like Phantasmagoria that is so creative and so just genius in the way that they construct their stories. You know, the, the, those two organizations together working on something like this are, have really proven to be a, a winning combination.
not too long ago, I actually had to add a disclaimer into the top of the tour talking about the fact that this is not a haunted house. This is a ghost tour. We have not planted anything. We don't have anybody hiding around a corner waiting to scare you. We don't have fog machines or scent machines or anything like that. So if you experience something while you're on the ghost tour, tell us about it. Because we actually had an experience with a mother and daughter. We were up in the, the lobby overlook in our lobby. We were getting ready to tell our third story on the tour. And as I started into the story, as I started talking about the woman in white, this little girl started crying. And so I stopped, because I don't typically make kids cry on my tours, and asked her mom, like, is everything okay? Are you?" I figured she was just getting creeped out. And her mom said, when we got to this door and you were finishing up the last story, she tapped my arm and said, hey, mom, look, there's an actor over there getting ready for the show. She, down the hallway, she had seen a woman in a long white dress that she thought was a character that we had brought in that was going to play some part in the tour. And when I started talking about the woman in white and the apparition that people have seen in that hallway, she realized that that's exactly what had just happened to her. She was 12 years old. She had never been in our building before. And so now at the top of the tour, I tell people, you know, if, if you see something, hear something, smell something, feel something, stop me, tell me about it, because I want to hear it before I tell you the story of, of what has happened here. And it happens more than you would think. So 10 years is a long time, and this is a great anniversary. But what does the future hold for this event? <laughs> well, of course, in, in my perfect world, it would span the entire month of October. Now we have some other things going on in October that will probably make that impossible, at least in the foreseeable future. But we are always working towards expanding and diversifying the programming not only from the film versus show versus tour aspect, but those audiences that we're trying to bring in. So every year we look at adding new elements that will bring new groups of people into the building, maybe that have never been here before or don't visit as often as they could. For we have been working with a local filmmaker who has been doing a web series called Grand Hampton. And this was actually a project during COVID. He, you're, you're nodding. Do you know this project? Okay. So you know Anthony Capers. He's amazing. He came to one of our events, heard us talking about celebrating local filmmaking, called me and said, okay, here's this project that I started during COVID. And if your listeners aren't familiar, he's creating a serial horror story using his neighbors in his community. And it's, it's, Fascinating. I mean, the production value on it is incredible given that he's doing this out of his house with his neighbors. And so he's on season three now, I think. And we cooked up a plan where he filmed part of an episode here at Tampa Theater. And we're going to premiere that episode. It's going to be the, the premiere or the debut of season three. So we're going to premiere that episode here at the theater. Anthony and, come, and some of his cast are going to come and talk about it. At not only from the horror aspect, but the local filmmaking aspect and the creativity aspect of, of what you can do with your neighbors and a camera and a little bit of imagination. So that's gonna be a, a great day. And then later in the series, actually on Sunday the 30th, we're working with our partners at the city of Tampa and their community engagement team. Their Hispanic liaison has been helping us program a day of Spanish language horror. 
So, you know, we get requests throughout the year of doing more foreign language films. We do a lot, as an independent movie house, we show a lot of international films. But given the, the huge Hispanic population in our area and the amazing wealth of Spanish language horror films that are out there, it, it was a no-brainer to plan a day. So, you know, once that goes well, which we know it will, how do we start incorporating other theme days and other targeted audiences and really, you know, getting some of those amazing films from other parts of the world on the big screen? Because, you know, we, we have a lot of great horror movies in this country, but we by no means have the corner on the market. That's fascinating. So it sounds like you're, like you said, looking at, at the three cores that you do well, but then also being aware of new media and new opportunity, but also the community, whether it be celebrating local community artists that are mm -hmm. creating or by highlighting specific community, like pieces of the community in Spanish language, for Absolutely. example. And starting hopefully next year, by this time next year, our second screen will be open. So we are in the process of building a micro cinema next door. It'll be about 40 seats. We don't have the exact count yet. So whereas we have the beautiful big room here that we will continue to do the beautiful big movies, having that screen is gonna give us the opportunity to show all of those other films that there is a place for, there is an audience for, but it's not a 1200 person audience. It's a 40 person audience. And so while we're showing, again, Hocus Pocus or, or The Shining or Psycho in here, we can do some amazing director retrospective or some very genre, sub-genre specific series over there. And it's just gonna open up the floodgates even more. Personally, I am a huge fan of Halloween. So having the opportunity to plan a Halloween series with all of the things I love in a building I love and sharing that with Tampa and with Central Florida, there's just no better job in the world. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope and original music composed by Chris Thomas. We're counting down to Halloween with daily podcasts, videos, and events in our 61-day Hauntathon. Follow along at the link in our show notes. Our Hauntathon is made possible through generous support from Gantam Lighting and Controls. Gantam illuminates attractions worldwide with the world's smallest intelligent spotlights. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com slash demo. That's gantam.com slash demo. Our Hauntathon team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Omni Adventures. Our partners for this year's Hauntathon include Sharp Productions, HorrorBuzz.com, ScareTrack, TheScareFactor.com, and Hauntopic Radio. The best way you can support us this Halloween season is by sharing our Hauntathon with someone you think will enjoy it. And to follow along to our Hauntathon, sign up for our weekly newsletter at HauntedAttractionNetwork.com. We'll catch you back here tomorrow and every day until Halloween. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.